Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, Encounter Church. How's everyone doing this morning? Fantastic. That's a great response. My name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter. I'm just so glad to see all of your smiling faces as we approach Christmas. This is um, one of my favorite times of the year, and uh, I hope that uh, the season has been treating you all well. It's good to see all of you today. Uh, Before we get into the message, I just wanted to reiterate and just kind of emphasize kind of some of the things that we said there. In January, I am very, very excited for what God is going to be doing in our church. We're excited for our new series called Fueled. We're going to be having a lot of really cool things coming up, particularly 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is something that we introduced last year and did for the first time. Um, For some of you, fasting is something brand new. Maybe you've never done it before. You're not sure what that is. There'll be some teaching on that. But uh, the idea is, is that when we say no to ourselves, primarily in the area of food, but it can be in a variety of other areas, that when we take that time that we would normally be eating and spend it in focusing on God, that there's breakthrough that happens there. There's no magic formula to it. It's just anytime we draw close to God, he always draws close to us. So uh, we're going to be doing that, and we'll have weekly prayer points that we'll be providing for you. Uh, the fasting, just so you guys know, the first week it's just one day, and then the week it's three days, and then the last week it's seven days. So it's kind of a lead up to it, and I would encourage you to come along on that journey with us. Um, again, there'll be more details about that in the future. Uh, the Book of Acts training camp can't emphasize enough how exciting that's going to be, so please be looking forward to that. That's the 14th of January. You do need to register for that. It's $15, but I can get you any information you want about it. I promise promise you, you will not be the same. So please sign up for that. And then also our very first sacred assembly is happening on January 24th. This is like a prayer and worship night. It's going to be a powerful night to set the tone for the entire year. Uh, You don't want to miss that. But this Sunday is starting point, and I'm super excited for that. If you uh, want to get involved, and we need your help, okay? So this church is a family, and, and if you are a part of this church and you call this your home, and you are not really serving, you're not a part of things, and you want to know more about how can I get involved and what does it mean to be involved today right after service is starting point at 1130. It's going to be at my house. If you want to go, just meet in the lobby and let me know and I'll just take you to my house. It's a free lunch and we're going to just, it'll be about an hour and I encourage you, do not let this opportunity pass you by. If you are a part of this church, but you're not serving somewhere, we need you, but we also want you because when that happens, when you do, you give of yourself, God does something inside of you and become the best version of yourself. It's incredible. I promise you come to starting point today, right after service. All right, that's enough of my PSAs. Okay, so today we are continuing in our He Shall Be Called message series that we've been going through the month of December. Today is week three. It comes from a passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, a very famous passage of scripture that says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And the first week we talked about wonderful counselor and how, how he is mighty, how he is powerful in his ability, his, his wonder, his awe-inspiring nature and his ability to counsel us through every situation is incredible. And then last week we talked about mighty God. And the big idea was that the might, the power, the strength of Jesus can be relied upon 
to break through all spiritual opposition, that there is not a single thing that is too, too big or too powerful for that Jesus is not able to overcome. And so when Aaron talks on stage here about how he is fighting our battles for us, we talked about that last week, that he is mighty to save, but he is also mighty for battle, that he is with us and he is strong enough to rescue us from the grave, but also to fight against anything we come up against. It's incredible. Well, this week we're talking about the third title, which is Everlasting Father, Everlasting Father. I'm excited because I believe this has some powerful implications for our lives. As I was thinking about things like everlasting, things that go on for a long time, because that's what the word everlasting means, right? I think it's difficult for maybe for us to, uh, to imagine what really something everlasting means. And I first th- thought of the Energizer Bunny. Um, growing up, I remember seeing lots of commercials about the Energizer Bunny. How many of you have ever seen any of those commercials with the little bunny uh, walking around with the big bass drum and he you know, was banging on it? And, and the commercials were all the same, but they were kind of different in each one because each one had the bunny walking through some area and there was something that was trying to stop him. And the point of it was that, that he outlasts everything else, right? And uh, I, I found a clip that I wanted to share with us that I thought would be fun to start our message today, uh, especially this week with Star Wars coming out. So maybe some of you have seen this particular clip. Let's take a look at the Energizer Bunny. There is a great disturbance in the force. Get his battery. It will renew the power of the dark side. Still going. Nothing outlasts the Energizer battery. It keeps going and going. Yeah, so... I thought that was pretty funny, especially this week with the new Star Wars movie coming out. Um, this is, that's the concept, I think, that's the closest that we get to anything that is everlasting in our, in our world. Um, nothing lasts forever. That's a common phrase that we hear all the time. It's in songs. It's in books. I think anyone who's lived long enough recognizes that everything in our world sort of over time decays, right? I mean, we have examples of that, not to get too sad, but everything eventually falls apart or stops working. Our health, as the older we get, our health begins to to fail us. Machines that we purchase, our cars or houses, um, even, even structures, we see that time wears them. And none of those things last forever. Even sometimes relationships that if not taken care of properly over time, even the strongest of relationships that have not been taken care of over time will begin to deteriorate. This is the way of things. And so I think it can be really difficult for us to comprehend the idea of something that is unchanging, something that is unstoppable, something that is never decaying, right? Because when we hear the word that Jesus will be called everlasting father, what does that mean? there's a part of my brain, and I I think maybe, perhaps maybe you feel the same way. I I understand the meaning, the definition of something that is everlasting, but I've never actually seen anything that is everlasting. So there's like a point where our brain, just kind of like the horizon, you know, where it, it, it can only go so far. How could it possibly be that way? But this is in fact what the Bible says about God, that he is the everlasting father, that he is unchangeable, that he is perpetual, and that he is never ending. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to explore the title that Jesus was, be, was given as everlasting father. And what does that mean for us? And I believe it has some powerful 
implications for our lives. In the last few weeks, uh, I have been studying these passages and trying to see what the original language means, because oftentimes um, in a translation from an ancient language into a modern language like English, translations don't always work perfectly. So they pick words that make sense to us in our modern context, but don't always translate fully, right? So the last few weeks, we've kind of gone into the root word of, of these words. So like wonderful counselor and then mighty God, and today it's everlasting. Father. Well, the Hebrew word for everlasting father is this. It's abiad. Can you all say that with me? Say abiad. That was kind of poor, folks. Let's say it again. Abiad. All right. And what, that, what does that mean? Abiad is the Hebrew word for everlasting father. It means lasting future time. It means perpetuity. I like that word. I feel like I can be British. Perpetuity. Perpetuity. Continuing future always, forever. I mean, this is the idea that we're getting. The image that that is conjured here is an everlasting sentinel or a guardian that stands above all things, that watches over. The everlasting concept is no matter what happens, he will always be there. That's a sentinel. When I thought of, I was trying to find the right word of of a guardian or the sentinel was the word. It's, It's just there and nothing stops it from being in its place. There is no time, no power, no storm, no strength, no, no season, no politics, no regime. Nothing takes the place of the sentinel, of the everlasting nature of who God is. It's also a provider, a trainer, and a shepherd. An eternal, perpetual, forever existing God whose desire is that we would know him and be known by him and have a relationship with him. In fact, in John 10, 10, it's not going to be on the screen, but Jesus said, I have come so that you might have life. And not just life. He said, I have come so that you'd have life to the fullest. I have come that you'd have life abundantly. That's why you see so many churches called Abundant Life Church, because it comes from that scripture. God did not just send Jesus so that we would be saved. God did not just just send his son so that we could have salvation and get out of hell free card, right? That's That's not the point. The point is that he wanted to rescue us, but that we would have a relationship with him. He is our father. He's not just the sentinel that guards over all time. No, he's also a father. He loves us. He trains us. He guides us. And so he wants us to have a good life. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm not saying that if you know Jesus that you're going to be rich. I'm not saying you're going to have nice houses and nice cars. What I am saying, though, is that the fullness, the abundance of life that Jesus is talking about in John 10 is when you follow him, when you align yourself with his principles, We've talked about this in the past with the Blessed Life series. This idea, it's not just about money. It's about aligning yourself under the principles of design of how God created life to be. When we do that, his, his purpose, his value, his love, his blessing, the essence of who God is flows onto us and we become the people that we were meant to be in the best possible version of ourselves. You will live a life that is more fulfilling than the richest person on the earth, even though you may live in poverty if you have the fullness of Jesus Christ inside of you. That is what it means to live the blessed life. That's what it means to be the abundant life is it doesn't matter regardless of your circumstances. You live a full, abundant life when you're aligned in the presence of God. That's what he's talking about, the everlasting God. Now, Jesus... He is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. We've been talking about this before. In Isaiah chapter 9, 6, where it says, and to us a son is born, a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. When Isaiah wrote that, 
Isaiah wasn't talking about Jesus specifically. This is, a, this is one of those things where he was actually writing, it was a prophecy about a coming king. So most people think it's about Hezekiah. There were a couple other kings that it could have possibly been about. But we know that God used this not only about that particular time, but also as a prophecy for the future. So when it was talking about a mighty God, obviously a king is not a God. At that time, it was kind of more meaning the idea of a strength of one who's going to come and who would be our commander in chief on the battlefield, right? But now we know that it's talking about the divinity of Jesus. And just like mighty God does, so does everlasting father. It's talking about how Jesus would be timeless. And how do I know that? What does it mean that Jesus is timeless? You see, Jesus is God. He is the everlasting one. The Bible doesn't say it, but one of the most, it says it in, in Scripture and teaches us theologically, but the phrase, God with skin on. I like that phrase. It's a modern context. This is who Jesus was. He, God knew that we would not be able to fully identify or understand or even be, have a willingness, I think, to follow with all of our lives something that we could not fathom. And the idea of something that is everlasting, something that is beyond our comprehension and transcends time itself, I don't know what that means. I watch sci-fi movies and I love them, but sometimes I can't fully wrap my brain around the idea of something that stands outside of time, outside of our space and our existence. You know what I mean? So God sends Jesus. Jesus is the essence of God. It is the Son of God. He is both man and God and sends him as a human being to see and so that we can understand and, and have an idea of what we're looking at. I love it because Jesus is God's plan for salvation from the beginning of time. Now listen to this passage of scripture in John chapter 1. It'll be on the screen if you have your Bibles pulled out. The book of John, the gospel of John. I love the beginning of this book. John chapter 1, verse 1. Listen to the eternal nature of Jesus. This is incredible. In the beginning, the word already existed. This sounds a lot like Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created, right? In the beginning, the word already existed. The word there, word, is the Greek word logos, okay? It's talking about, it's talking about the, the concept, the idea, and it's talking about Jesus. The word was with God, so it was present, separate, but let this check this out. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. So Jesus was literally present at the dawning of the universe. And nothing was created except through him. Verse 4, the word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. This is the cosmic Christ. We think of Jesus as a man who was born who lived a holy life. And, and in some ways, we almost look at Jesus as a saint, as a man who achieved greatness. And then, and then at some point, God saw that he was good enough and said, you know what, I'm going to choose you to be my representative. And now you get to sit with me. But that's not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that Jesus existed from the beginning. The word was with God, but the word was God. Jesus is everlasting. He was there from the beginning of time and will be there throughout all of it. I love it. But then 1 John, not the same John, 1 John, the same guy wrote more books later on. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 says this, And we know that the Son of God has come. Jesus called himself the Son of Man. We're talking about Jesus again. And he has given us an understanding so that we can know the true God. So because of what Jesus has done, 
we can know who God is. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. So you see what I'm saying here? In Isaiah 9, 6, it prophesies that one is coming. The Messiah is coming. There is one who's coming who's going to save the world and he will be everlasting. There will be no beginning or end to him. And the scriptures are pointing in the New Testament that Jesus is that one. That Jesus is that one. Jesus is eternal life and he has given us the opportunity to know God. Maybe there's somebody in the room who's like, you know what, I'm kind of new to this faith thing. I, I'm not really sure why I'm here today or maybe you're not sure what you believe. You know, what I would say to you is that I believe with all my heart, okay, as a, as a just at the core of who I am, I believe that all human beings are searching for something. I believe whether we are, whether we admit or even know that we're looking for God, I believe that every human being is wired internally to be searching for a connection with God. And we do that in a variety of ways. We live that out through our jobs. We do that through the relationships. We do that through our, by money. We do that through the activities, through music, through art. I think all throughout life, we see everywhere we look in pop culture and magazines and books, you'll talk to people and you see there's a thread that people are searching. They're always looking for something. And, and I think if, if people, by the end of their life, more often than not, will say, and even Bono in U2 said, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There is this desire within all of us to search for God, to know, is this it? Is this everything that we have? This is, if I was just born to live and then die, is there any meaning to any of it? I think if that resonates with somebody in this room, this passage of scripture is talking about it. It says, he is the only true God. He is eternal life. It says, and now he has, we live in fellowship with him, with the true God, because we live in fellowship with him. You see, Jesus has given us the ability to know God. He is God with skin on. He gives us something to point at and say, I, I understand I, I know what I'm shooting for now. Jesus is part of our story. He's not just this far off thing. He's not an idol. He's not something nameless. No, Jesus, according to scripture, says that he was a human being who lived just like us. And yet he was also divine. What kind of a God does that? That presents himself in front of you and says, I love you enough that I will come and I will show you. I'll do everything I possibly can to help you know that I'm searching for you, that I want you to know me. That's the beauty of our God, the everlasting Father. Jesus is eternal life itself, and he gives us the opportunity to know God through him. And what was broken in the Garden of Eden has been restored through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we can now walk with God, and we can know him and experience his life-giving presence. And that's our big idea today. If you're taking notes, this is the kind of the crux of this message. This is the thing to remember. Write this down. The timeless grace of Jesus, because he is everlasting, the grace of Jesus is timeless. There is no beginning or end to it. The timeless grace of Jesus provides access to the Father's endless life. You see, the life that I talked about earlier, when you align yourself with his principles, when you are in the presence of God, good things happen. You remember in, you remember in E.T. When, when the flowers were dead and then E.T. walks by and the flowers bloom? I mean, that's been done in other movies too. But that's kind of what we're talking about. In the presence of God, healing comes. Restoration comes. Why? Because he is 
the life. He is the, the essence of all things. I mean, that's what John said, right? John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God, and everything was created by Him and through Him. So the very essence of everything you see, the matter, the, the mass, everything was created at His hand. Thus, when you are in His presence, when the presence of God aligned under His, His, His priorities, when you're living life the way that He has called us, designed us to, It's like a key fitting into a lock and things open and his healing power, his restoration, his purpose, everything flows from that. So the timeless grace of Jesus provides access to the endless life of the Father. It's incredible what God has done, what Jesus has done for us. But what is the significance? What what does this mean for me? How do I apply this? What does this actually mean for me every day? I mean, it's great to know that he's everlasting and that he provides a way for us to get to heaven and, and all that. That's good. But how do I live that today? How does that help me in my daily life? If, how do I live this? What does that mean for me if I'm not a Christian? What does that mean for me if I'm a new Christian? Or what does that mean for me for somebody who's been a Christian for 15 years? How do I live out this everlasting father principle? And I would say I've got just two quick things that I feel like the scriptures point to in this. So I, I've kind of titled this everlasting value, question mark. Like what is the value of this everlasting nature? And the first thing is this, is there's a constantness to who Jesus is. Constant. There's a passage of scripture, a very quick verse in Hebrews 13, 8, that says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the constant. Now, like a science experiment, when, if any of you have ever done one, there are constants and there are variables, okay? So in any experiment that you, that you will conduct, in order to know whether or not your experiment is accurate or to get accurate results, you have to have a constant. A constant is something that does not change. It gives you a touch point to know where you're starting and where things end. It's difficult if there are no constants, you have no way of fully understanding or recognizing the data that you're getting from it. And Jesus is that constant. Jesus is the thing in our lives that never changes. I said it earlier, there's no political system, there's no regime, there's no country, no history. History, no amount of finances or Dow stocks or NASDAQ, nothing, nothing that changes or comes and goes will ever be more constant than Jesus. Not even the Energizer Bunny. Even though it keeps going and going and going, eventually it will fail. But scripture points to Jesus as being the constant in our lives. He is the one. We sing a song called Cornerstone that he is the cornerstone of our faith. Now, if any of you guys build or are like construction individuals, you know the power of foundations and cornerstones, right? They are the thing that you build from. And scripture points out that Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith, that he is the one thing that is reliable in this world, that everything built upon him, and he is strong enough to bear the weight of everything else that comes on top of it. Without the cornerstone, everything crumbles below it. The cornerstone of our faith is Jesus. Seasons might change. Circumstances might change. We may struggle with things. We may be on top of a mountain or we may be in the depths of the valley. We may find ourselves in moments of joy and ecstasy. And then the next moment we could possibly be in a moment in the midst of tragedy or even facing death perhaps. But the constant is that Jesus is with us in every single one of those places. 
There is never one place that he cannot go, no hill too high or no depth so deep that he will not be there with us. Jesus is constant and he can be counted on in every circumstance. And what does that do for us? It changes our perspective. When you know that there is a constant presence in your life, that thing changes your perspective. Now imagine for a second a negative constant. All of us have something that annoys us in our life, something that is always there that we wish we could get rid of. And what does it do? Over time, it begins to frustrate you, right? If there's something that's constant and it never stops and it never goes away and it's bugging you, what happens? You just, you, you get annoyed and you get frustrated and it begins to shape the way you see things because of its constant presence in your life. The same is equally true of something good. But in the case of our faith, Jesus being the constant, imagine how that changes our perspective in our lives. That there is no place, the Bible says it over and over again, there is nowhere that I can run that you cannot reach me. There is no place too high or too far or too deep or too hot or too cold. There is no place that Jesus, that his death, that his resurrection has not paid for and bought The constant nature of Jesus gives us comfort. It gives us peace. In every situation that I face, I know that he is there. And and the tendency in this, this most recent election is for people, I think, to lose sight of that constant Jesus. They think, oh my gosh, how could this how could this possibly get any worse? We've elected a man who, who is going to do these things. And there are some very real concerns, and I understand that whether whichever way you voted. But, but the tendency in our nation that I see everywhere is this fear that grips us because we feel like that, that somehow this scenario has never happened before or that this, this potential thing could derail everything. And that is not what Scripture teaches. Instead, Scripture teaches that Jesus is constant, that Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever, that he is in control of all things, that there is nothing outside of his purview, there is nothing that takes him by surprise, he is fully and intimately aware of everything that is happening. And no matter if our government falls apart, or we come into a complete economic revival in our nation, Jesus is constant He will not change and he will be there and our hope is rooted in him. That's the beauty of the constant nature of Jesus. It changes our perspective. We don't have to look at these things because that's what happens. When you don't have the hope of Jesus, you see all sorts of ridiculous behavior. People drink themselves into the grave. People treat other people horribly. We get into sex slave and trafficking. People get into addictions. They get themselves into mountains of debt. All of these things happen because they have no hope, because they're seeking their hope on something that constantly fades and breaks. They're anchoring into things that are weak, and eventually the storm comes and rips it out of the wall. But not with Jesus. With Jesus, who is constant, he is the cornerstone. We anchor into him no matter what happens in our life. Our perspective will always be focused on him. No matter what happens, if I'm facing the grave or I'm in the greatest of joys, the power of Jesus Christ is there with me. That, that perspective helps me in my situations. That's constant value, everlasting value. The second thing that I thought about that value, not only is he constant, but the other word father, excuse me, is mediator. Jesus is our mediator. So when I think of everlasting father, constant mediator, John 10, 
verses 14 and 15, in that same passage we were talking about earlier about I've come to give you life, he now talks about himself as a shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. You see, a shepherd's job was to protect his sheep, to make sure that they were in line. He had two items. He had a staff, which is like the crooked neck kind of thing, and then he also had a rod. And so the shepherd's job was to do two things. One, it was if the sheep strays, he kind of grabs the sheep with the crook thing and pulls it around his neck and yanks him back into place. He also had a rod to, if the sheep were getting unruly, he would kind of hit him a little bit. I saw that when I was in India. We were, there was one guy beating a cow on the side of the road, and cows are holy in India. And I was like, oh my gosh, that guy's going to you know, be like strung up or something. But I guess like, you know, that's not necessarily the case that the cow's in the way you can kind of hit it in the back with the rod. But that rod is also not just used to discipline his sheep. For the shepherd, he also has to defend his flock. And so when wolves would come or animals or even other thieves and robbers would try to come into the shepherd's pen or the pasture, the shepherd's responsibility was to mediate, was to get in between the sheep and the, the enemy or the robber or the wolf or whatever creature it was, whatever the danger was, and his job was to stand in between them and to fight for them and to protect them. And that's what Jesus is saying here is, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know who I am. And just as my father knows me, I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for my sheep. He is a mediator. The father is willing to do anything for his children. And Jesus is willing to stand in between us and anything that comes in between us and God. A few months ago, my son was at the bus stop taking him to school in the morning, and I was, um, he had told me that there were these boys who were poking fun at him. My, my son has kind of a progressive hairstyle. He's got kind of long hair, and he puts it back in a man bun sometimes, and, uh, or he'll slick it over. He's, you know, he goes to Mr. G's. Okay, that tells you, Mr. Grooming and Goods here in, in, in Lawrenceville. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, he looks good, but he goes to a school where that's not necessarily the way that most of the other kids, you know, had their hair or dress and that kind of a thing. And he was telling me about these boys who poke fun at him, even at the bus stop. And I'm there with him, but I was, I'm sometimes talking to the other parents. And uh, this principle kind of came alive to me in that we were standing there, and then I see these boys kind of over a little ways with my son kind of poking fun at him. And, and you could see the look on my son's face. He was, he was, he was feeling helpless. I mean, you, if any of you have ever been made fun of or bullied, you know what that feeling is. It, it's awful to feel like you're powerless or that you can't stand up or you can't do something. And what he needed was a mediator. So I went over, I saw this, like a father who was willing to do anything for his son. And, you know, in that moment, I'm filled with rage. I'm like, who do you think you are, you little brat? Like, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'll do. I'll do something that would just, just shy of going to jail to you. That's what I'm going to do. So, so I go over, you know, and I, and I kind of just, like, exert my authority. And it's not hard to do when you're with 10-year-olds, okay? They're terrified of you because you're double their height. And I'm a tall guy. So I'm, I kind of step right in. Hey, guys, what's going on? You know, my son has told me that you guys are, uh, are not being very nice to him. And I can't remember exactly what I said, but I essentially stood in between my son and his enemies. And I said, this is not acceptable. You will not treat my son this way. He has value. And these are not necessarily literally the things that I'm saying, but what I was getting across to them was you need to understand something that what you're doing is not appropriate and will not work in my presence. 
And this is what Jesus does for us, is that he stands in between everything that we face. He stands in in between us and our sin. He stands in between us and our enemies who seek to destroy us. Because in John 10, it talks about that. That Satan is like a wolf that's coming to devour, to steal, to kill and destroy. And then he says, but I have come so that you might have life. So Jesus is our constant mediator. He stands in between and he says, I will take the punishment. I will take the, the blame. So every time someone mocks your faith, they aren't mocking you, they're mocking Jesus. Anytime that you feel like you're weak, they're looking at you, they're looking at, at Jesus standing in front of you. And you should be counted as honored that you would stand there with, with the one who would give up his life, the shepherd who would give his life for his sheep. Jesus loves us so much that he is always there and there is never a time that he will not be present. I think that's important for us to understand that as the everlasting father, that Jesus is always going to be present, but he will always be there to stand in between us and the things that seek to destroy us. He is the mediator. And the greatest of all of these is that he mediates our sin between us and the Father. Have you noticed that every picture of heaven in the throne room always has the Father and then the Son sitting next to him on the throne? Jesus is the one that grants us permission into that room. Remember how we talked about before and how in old days, if you wanted to see the king, you couldn't just walk in and you were under the penalty of death if you just kind of stormed into the king's court? You can't do that. But we are told to approach the throne boldly as Christians. Why? Because of Jesus. Because when we enter the room, the Father looks at Jesus and he nods his head. He is the mediator. Jesus is the one who stands and says, he's with me. You understand what that means? That's like getting into the clubs. That's like going into the front of the VIP line. You are the one on the guest list because of what Jesus has done. As the everlasting father, all the wisdom of the counselor and the might of God, they come together in this moment to provide timeless guidance and relationship. He is the everlasting father. And so just to remember our, our, our big idea to kind of cap this, he is our constant mediator. What is the value of an everlasting God, of Jesus that we serve? It is that the timeless grace of Jesus provides access to the Father's endless life. When we follow Jesus, there is never a time, never a space where we will be on the outside looking in. We will always have a place to call home in his presence, and we will benefit from that. So what are our next steps? What can we do? How can we begin to live this out? This is something new that we're doing here at Encounter. We have our three E's that you see on the board up uh, by the steps there. We want to encounter God here. We want to experience God at, at Encounter Church. We want to explore our faith and create a place for every person to say, I'm in a different part of the journey. I want to ask questions. This is a safe place for you here to explore your faith. And then we want to express publicly what God has done in our lives. So how do we do that? How do we take these next steps? First, how do we experience this timeless principle, the everlasting nature of Jesus in our lives? The first thing to experience it, I think we need to align our, ourselves with God's principles to experience his life-giving presence. If you want to say, you would say to me, Jared, I, I just don't feel like God really likes me. I don't feel like my life is being blessed. I don't feel like things are, are going the way they're supposed to. 
And I'm not saying that because you follow Jesus, everything is good. What I'm saying is it's right. But if you feel like my life is a mess, then maybe you're not aligning yourself under the, under the spotlight of heaven, if you will. Find where God is. Find what God cares about. Align yourself with the way he created life to be lived. And when you do that, you will find that his life-giving presence will begin to operate in your life. That's how you begin to experience his timeless nature. Stand in his presence, align yourself with his principles, and then you will experience the timeless, endless life. How can I explore this? How could you guys explore this deeper if you want? If you want to kind of, maybe I said some things during the message today that that you're like, oh, that's a new concept, or I heard something I'm not fully understanding. I would encourage you to to look this up. If you want to know about the Trinity, that's the the three-in-one concept of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's some passages of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 61, 1 is a verse there. Write these down. Mark chapter 1. Verses 9 through 11, and then Matthew 28, 19. Those are all verses that kind of pinpoint and show the three unique aspects or personalities of who God is. And we could talk about this. Any of this stuff, let's talk about it. If you ever have questions, come see me. Let's get lunch. Let's get coffee, and we'll talk about this. But also the concept of Jesus as the high priest. Why is it that he is the one who is able to provide this for us? There's this concept of the high priest, the holiest of holies, the one who is paid, the one who is, who is at the top. This concept can be found in Hebrews chapter 4 and 5. These are all Bible passages, okay? So in case you don't know that. Hebrews chapter 4 and 5. I encourage you to read these passages of Scripture. Apply them to your life. Ask questions. Pray, God, I just read this. What does this mean for my life? This is how you begin to explore, how you walk intentionally on the path and the journey of following Jesus. And finally, how do I express? What can I do? Like, how can I actually express this outwardly to other people? I want to encourage you to tell one person about God's consistency in your life. Think about when when Jesus has shown up as constant in your life. And you might think, "I, I don't know that there's ever been a time, I promise you, that God has been present and active in your life even if you weren't even aware of it. I promise you, just listen, think, look back. And then when you identify something, your challenge this week to express this is to tell one person about how that consistency in your life and how it's affected you. And then what I want you to do is I want you to invite that person to our Christmas service on Friday. Give them a chance to hear about the Prince of Peace. That's the last piece to this, 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 this series on Friday. We're finishing off this series with the Prince of Peace. Who doesn't need peace in their life? Especially people who don't know Jesus. People who are searching for hope. What they want is peace. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to ask you two quick questions as we close today. The first is, what is God saying to you today? What is God saying to you specifically? Maybe he's reminding you about his constant nature. Maybe he's even showing you right now. I was with you here. I was with you there. I remember the picture on my parents' wall. It's a very famous picture of footsteps on the beach. And there were two, and then there was just one. And the question is asked, Jesus, where were you when I was going through this hard time? Did you leave me? And then Jesus responds and says, no, that time I was carrying you. Maybe some of you have seen that. Maybe he's reminding you right now of the times that he's carried you through. 
praise him, thank him for his constant nature. And then his mediator. Maybe he's telling you now that he is willing to fight for you in your situations, that you are not alone in your circumstances, that you do not need to be afraid. That whatever you're facing right now, you're not alone. Maybe you're afraid of the state of the world that we live in. Maybe it's unsettling for you. Perhaps your family situation is is difficult. Whatever it might be, allow the Spirit of God now to speak to you and say, I am with you. I stand between you and that thing. It will not destroy you. It will not kill you. It will not finish you. Instead, I will fight for you. I am for you. I love you. If there's anyone in the room right now who wants to experience and wants to meet that Jesus, that that everlasting one, the everlasting Father. We're not going to have you raise your hand or, or anything like that. What I want you to do just right now is to just tell him that you believe in him. That's what the Bible says. To begin a relationship with Jesus, all it says is that you must believe in your heart that Jesus was rose, rose from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's all you have to say. So just, just tell him, Jesus, I want what you're talking about here. I want to know you. I need that peace. I need that, that constant mediator. I can't get to God. I want to know the Father. I want to know God. I want to know peace in my life, wholeness in my life. I need you, Jesus. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the one who you said you are. You just say that. You just believe it. I believe that you rose from the dead, that you are powerful, and you've existed from the beginning of time. Whatever it is you say in your heart, that means that you are now a child of God. I encourage you to just make this real in your life. I'd love to talk with you after service about this and what it means for your life. The Holy Spirit rushes inside of you now. The Bible says that when you make a decision to follow Jesus, that the Spirit of God comes alive. It resurrects your soul. Something happens inside of you, and you're no longer the same person. It's an act of faith. And the last question is, what are you going to do about it? Whatever God has spoken to you, what are you going to do about it? I encourage you to experience this timeless concept daily. I encourage you to explore it further, to seek out these scriptures and to learn more about it and to express it, to invite people, to tell people about what God is doing in your life and perhaps other things that the Spirit is speaking in your life right now. Now let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you are constant. Thank you that you are everlasting. Thank you that you are here and with us and that there is nothing that is too far or too big or too small for you. That you will always be there no matter what. Thank you that you have provided a way, that you are the mediator. You've provided a way for us to be saved, to find meaning in life. Spirit of God, we welcome you. Speak to us. Challenge us. Even this week as we approach Christmas, as our attentions are so pulled so far in so many different directions, would you call us back to this place, the constant nature of you. Let that give us courage and new perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.